Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. This is Rick Schisler, and you are listening to the Weekly Business Hour. I'm happy to host the program today, as I do most weeks, and happy that you've chosen to join us here live on IRLoneStar.com or on FM at 106.1, 104.5 here on Conroe Area Radio. Well, the Weekly Business Hour is where Montgomery County and businesses throughout the world come to talk about the latest in business news ideas to improve your business and to be part of the conversations that we hope can make a real difference in your business. I want to mention first before we get started that the program today is sponsored by OneBestConsult.com. That's the number one bestconsult.com. I encourage you to visit that website. I'm the founder of that website, but it's a place where small business people can go, particularly small business owners, can go and join a community of like-minded peers who are talking about business. Uh, You have an opportunity there to submit questions, ideas, an opportunity to hear from your peers about what they think. And I I offer independently, but on the website, mentoring or advisory services that you can join me, have a newsletter, all kinds of video encouragements. So I encourage you, go to onebestconsult.com. That's where we talk about common sense business advice. I want to remind you that if you're a Facebook follower, that the show today is being broadcast live on Facebook Live. So you just need to go to the Facebook page for the show, the Weekly Business Hour, click on the button and listen and watch the show live on Facebook. Also a reminder, during the show, if you got a question or a comment, observation for myself or a guest, or even after the show, send me an email. I love to receive these emails. I have people even submit their own business questions, and I don't mind taking a minute or two and responding to those. In fact, I enjoy making the connection. Just send those to one, again, the number one best consult at gmail.com. Love to receive those responses, so use that email. Well, at this point, it gets real easy. Just sit back, grab your pad and pencil, and get ready to take notes as we talk about, again, everything business right here on the Weekly Business Hour. And we've got a great guest in the uh, studio today in our Soup to Nuts conversation series. Chris Weege joining us. Chris, in my opinion, is one of the top authorities on commercial business insurance. And he's going to talk to us at what every business needs to know about commercial insurance. This is the first show. And if you're a regular listener, you know we typically do two or three shows in a series and kind of cover the topic, right, soup to nuts. Chris, welcome to the show. Good morning, Rick. Glad to be here. Well, we're glad to have you here. As you know, I think you're one of the top minds in the business out there today as far as understanding uh, what insurance can and can't do for the business owner. And let's kind of jump into that. Uh, let's let's talk to the individual who is just starting a business. And there's so many things to think about when you start a business. Uh, if you're smart, you'll have a lot of checklists. Uh, but one of the things is an important item, should be towards the top of that list, in my opinion, is, is my business insurance. So when folks start a business, uh, what do they need to start with as far as business insurance? Well, and... I get this a lot from from business owners just starting out. It does depend on what type of business you're going to be doing. It also depends on where you're going to be conducting business. If you're conducting out of your home, which a lot of small businesses start out at, they're consultants or contractors, they may not necessarily need as much as a business with a storefront. You also have to, when you're starting your business, you want to budget for that. That is a budget just like any other expense that you need to know even before you start your business, so you can properly protect it and properly budget for 
the, uh, the expense of insurance. The insurance for, say, for example, a contractor, they're out doing something to somebody's house, somebody's business, they would mostly need general liability. And general liability would cover if they were to, or accused of causing any damage to a property, any uh, accident that would happen to, that would cause property damage. It also covers some liability for, uh, depending on the situation, but that would help a contractor, anybody that provides a physical product or a physical service, a general liability proper, uh, policy would cover them. For a consultant like myself as an insurance agent or an IT consultant, a engineer, lawyer, they are providing more of a service than a product. I don't produce anything. I provide advice just like a IT consultant. And they would uh, need a professional liability or errors or omissions policy. And that would cover them for any accusation of negligence or not doing their job properly. And that would help protect a service provider for uh, most liability claims against the, against the business. Well, you know, uh, just for a moment, I want to kind of backtrack uh, because there are people lose sight of this, but a vast majority by headcount of businesses in this country, first or small businesses, a vast majority. And of that, the largest subgroup is people who work out of their homes. So I'm working out of a, a converted bedroom, sometimes out of off the dining room table. I've seen that in my practice. So it's very mobile. I'm there. Okay, I'm in the home, and I say, well, I really don't need any insurance. I've got homeowner's insurance. But, in fact, they do need some insurance coverage, don't they? That's correct. The homeowner's policy is not going to cover anything related to the business, either whether you're doing it inside your house or, if, like, if you're doing it outside the house. It's not going to cover any claims against the business. And if the business isn't set, set up properly, they can uh, – somebody can sue not only the business, but they can sue – or uh, file a claim against personal assets. So you're not only protecting your business, you're protecting your personal assets by having the right type of liability coverage. Yeah, it's very important, and I think that gets missed by a lot of folks. They figure, well, I'm small. It's only me. I'm not going to do anything wrong. <laughs> yeah, and unfortunately, and I do get that a lot, and I always have to word it right if something happens. I never, you're, you're accused. It is very easy to file a lawsuit against somebody else in the state of Texas. And they don't need a lot of money to do it, and it can happen. You can do you can do everything perfectly right as a small business owner and still get sued. Yeah, that's what a lot of folks I think miss, and and I learned this because of a legal background I have. But a lot of times, what you're buying is the, in when you buy that insurance, it's not to cover what you did wrong, but it's the representation because the legal fees and the cost associated with defending yourself can run up pretty quick. That's correct. And a lot of small business owners don't realize that when you have a liability policy, legal fees are included. They will handle hiring the lawyers. They will handle hiring or doing any legal fees or anything like that. So once you file a claim, they pretty much take over and will deal with it for you. So you, as a business owner, you can focus on your business, continue to generate income and revenue and not have to worry about hiring lawyers and going to court and dealing with this, not only the actual money values that could be involved, but the emotional toll of having to worry about this. I've been, they can, lawsuits can drag out. And I've had some of my clients contact me and say, I haven't heard anything. I haven't heard anything from the insurance company. And my response is, well, that's good. Because that means they're doing their job. And they have, 
they have high dollar, high priced attorneys. That's what they get paid for. That's what they do. And they know how to handle the cl- a claim or a claim against the business properly. Well, you know, you make that a point. I had someone I knew years ago, architect, design a lot of shopping centers. And he got sued in connection with a claim where someone was injured in a shopping center. Well, he had not only not designed that center, not only had no involvement in that property as far as construct, had no connection other than one of the owners were someone he did work with. His nearest project was 10, 15 miles away. He spent two years and over $5,000 in legal fees just to get himself out of the lawsuit. Yeah, and that doesn't account the, the lost income that right. he had to take time to do that. It was probably two, three times that in lost income, plus the emotional toll of having to worry about this for two years versus if there is a claim and they do settle or whatever, even if the business owner did something wrong and there's a claim, the insurance policy is going to pay out on it. It's not any of the owner's assets, personal or business. It's a, that's what the policy is for, is to pay out. Now, you're absolutely right about that emotional toll because in this case, it really, really had a toll on him worrying about, even though technically, legally, he was, had no exposure. But when you get into the courtroom or into the law, sometimes things don't work out as you would think they would. So that's kind of interesting. So let me ask you, I mean, limits of insurance. I mean, one of the things, and I need to back up a second, I've, I've been remiss. Uh, Chris, you're with the, with the Cook Insurance Group, and I want to mention that. And one of the things you all do uh, is that you seek out new businesses, small businesses that are starting out. Talk to us just for a moment why you do that. Well, we like, we like working with small businesses. We like to get on the ground floor because that way we can help them get the right protection from the get-go. We also, businesses grow, and we like to see them grow, and we like to help them grow. And since we kind of specialize in that smaller business, we have the carriers that offer not only offer the policies that fit, for the price that fits, but a lot of times, even with installment options and stuff like that, it's real important uh, for a small business with cash flow. And we are totally cognizant of that fact that a small business needs cash flow. And anything we can do, not only to keep the total premium down, but offer better payment options than paying a policy in full or that, that some of the larger agencies that don't really focus on smaller businesses can provide. You know, I love that philosophy that you grow with businesses. You seek new businesses, smaller businesses, with the idea that you're, in, in my opinion, investing, if you will, uh, a lot of time and effort up front to get these folks on insurance, but you want to grow with them. Let's talk about that for a moment. You got a new business. What should the limits of insurance be? I mean, oftentimes, uh, particularly on personal insurance like automobile, what limits, you know, the state says you got to have a minimum of this, but, and, and it gets kind of confusing. Uh, for a lot of people, what what limits should I have? Well, in the business sense, okay, once I accept that I need business insurance, particularly liability, like you mentioned, too, how do I determine with my agent what my limit should be at least when I start out? Most of the time, we recommend uh, one million. Uh, the way it's worded, it's per occurrence and aggregate, which means how many claims per year versus one individual claim. Most of the time, we recommend one to two million. Mostly because that's standard in the industry, and it is, is a $1 million, $2 million policy. The other couple of reasons is usually if you go lower, there's not a significant difference in price. A lot of times, depending on the, the type of business, the difference between half a million and a million is $100 a year. And so it's just why, you know, you're saving $100 a year, but you can get twice the coverage. Uh, most, and again, most 
insurance companies will quote one million, one million, two million, unless you know you specifically ask for something else. The other big reason is, especially businesses that work with other businesses, larger. They are contracting with a larger corporation, a bigger company, a general contractor, or they're you know going to be working for say uh, Exxon or a larger company. They will require at least one million. Uh, one million to me. That's a contractual requirement. And so if you already have it in a place, you don't have to worry about it. And it allows you to get work from those companies without having to take on an additional expense because you've already paid for it. You know, you make a great point. I can't tell you how many times in my life I've had small business come to me, uh, either somebody I might be working with, which if they're working with me, we've typically gone over insurance along with a few other things as basics of being in business. But uh, they'll have an opportunity to job may not be as large as an Exxon, but they need the insurance. So that's what causes or motivates them to even consider getting the liability insurance. They run around like a little rabbit trying to get that insurance, uh, and they don't need to be doing that. Yes, and usually, and we work with a lot of people that work for other companies, and there's every contract they have has an insurance clause or insurance paragraph that shows all the coverages they, they need. And most larger companies have some pretty stringent or a lot of insurance requirements besides just general liability. And we like to get that if they're going to be doing that. So we'll send us that so we can look at the insurance because for two reasons. One, you need a budget for that. And if you need to carry multiple lines, which a lot of companies require, you need a budget for that when you bid your job. And so we'd like to get out in front of that. And then the other reason is since it is a contract, it has a tendency to be boilerplate. Some you know, and a lawyer somewhere said you need, everybody needs this. It doesn't matter if it's a hundred million dollar job or a thousand dollar job. Everybody has the same insurance requirements. And with the small businesses we work with, a lot of it's excessive because it's the same no matter how large the contract is. And we can go back and work with our client and say, hey, go back to your employer or your, the person you want, or the company you want to contract with, and say this is really not appropriate for what I'm doing, either the, the value or the type of work. And a lot of times we can get them to cut back on what they need and what they want, and that just saves them money. You know, a, a huge well, liability policy for a IT contractor who's doing you know, $10,000, $20,000 job doesn't need $20 million worth of insurance coverage. And we can work with our client to say, hey, go back to them and say, I, this, is, this, does, this isn't applicable for what I'm doing. And a lot of times we can get them to reduce the coverage. And that saves them money, and they don't have to worry about it. Well, and you make a good point because even the customer in that case, they're going to pay for that twenty million. If the person bidding, the company bidding the job that's going to provide that insurance, they're going to have to build it into their price. Yes. Uh, so it doesn't make a lot of sense. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we are have come to our first break today, and when we come back, we're going to visit with Chris about the value of an agent. Uh, I mean, Chris has been given some great information today. It's obvious there's value, but the relationship that you should seek to build with your agent as you buy insurance and as your business grows. So please stay with us. We'll be right back with you. It's all business talk on the weekly business hour every Monday at 11 a.m. right here on Lone Star Community Radio. Lone Star Community Radio is looking for those who are interested in hosting their own talk show with monthly and weekly slots available on Conroe's FM 104.5 and 106.1 and on IRLoneStar.com. Start your own podcast, create your first YouTube channel, and be on TV. 
Contact Lone Star Community Radio online at IRLoneStar.com or call the station message line at 936-647-3776. Lone Star Boxer Rescue is a nonprofit organization serving Montgomery County and surrounding areas dedicated to the health and well-being of the boxer breed. Lone Star Boxer Rescue is run and managed 100% by volunteers since 1999. Our main objective is to rescue, rehabilitate, and rehome boxers that come to us from many sources, including local animal shelters, owner surrenders, and strays. For more information about Lone Star Boxer Rescue, visit our website at lsbr.org. Hey guys, this is Connor. This is Dick. This is Chris. And we're with the Ticket Stub Podcast every Thursday live at noon on 104.5 and 106.1 FM in the Conroe area. Also, anytime at IRLoneStar.com. You go to IRLoneStar.com backslash TTS. You can find all of our social media. And don't forget, we give away two tickets to the Grand Theater on every show. If you like movies and you like complaining or celebrating anything that has to do with the silver screen, Check out the Ticket Stub podcast and join us every Thursday at noon o'clock on Lone Star Community Radio. It's all about business on the Weekly Business Hour every Monday at 11 a.m. on Lone Star Community Radio. You're listening to the Weekly Business Hour, and this is Rick Schisler, your host. I'm a Silver Fox advisor and also the founder of One Best Consult. And we're having a conversation today in our Soup to Nuts conversation series with Chris Wee. Chris is with the Cook Insurance Group, and we've been talking about everything about business insurance. And primarily in our first segment today, we talked about the new business and the things that they need to be aware of. And uh, Chris, you know, it's one of the things, and you and I talked off air here for a bit, and I've talked to you before. Uh, One of the things I believe and encourage all my clients is find an insurance agent to be an advisor first. Secondly, to buy insurance from. Uh, Don't buy the cheapest product. Make sure you're buying the right product. And let's talk about that. Say, for an example, a good question I think is, you know, how often should I really communicate or visit with my agent about my insurance program? Uh, In other words, the business insurance of typically multiple policies that I'll have in place. What's your thoughts about that? Well, and you're right. It's important, especially on the commercial side. It's a lot different than home and auto personal lines. It's it is just a lot different. And with commercial insurance, a lot of times you are in constant contact with your agent because people change in your business. You need different things than you would on a homeowner's policy. But usually every year, there is usually a minimum that we would recommend. In fact, with there's a big difference between commercial and homeowners is homeowners policies generally auto-renew. Well, they, most commercial policies do not. And so they have to be renewed every year because commercial insurance carriers understand businesses change every year and they need to be updated on revenue, size, property. And so usually they will have to be renewed. The numbers would have to be redone on the policy to see if it's changed anything. And that's one of the things we do since we focus only on commercial insurance. We understand that. We know how the system works, how the process works with commercial insurance. And usually about 45 days before your policy renews, your agent, your commercial insurance agent should be contacting you requesting updated information. And it's insurance. We understand you want to get it and forget about it. And that's fine. We're, that's what we're there for is nobody wants to think about having to do their insurance. 
And so that's why we're, we're proactive with our clients on getting that information for the renewal. So we're not running up against a non-renewal or cancellation because that information hasn't been sent in. And we do get a lot of clients that their policies non-renewing or canceling tomorrow because it, someone didn't, the renewal process wasn't handled properly. Well, and, and it's interesting, renewal of business insurance is an event and it needs to be on the calendar. And in our business, in my business, uh, it was always 60 to 90 days out. 75 days, typically, I'd set up a tickler, if you will, or reminder. Uh, of course, with a good agent, they're going to contact you anyway, but I wanted to get a leg up because I understand the market, the volatility, sometimes timing plays a part. Uh, and when you renew what time of year, I learned all kinds of things as I worked through my businesses and handling this. And in that relationship, of visiting with that agent just about what coverage is. Again, not just straight up renewal like you typically would with an auto policy. Uh, I wanted a chance to review the business and this is where we are. This is what the next year looks like. What do you think? And that takes time. Yes. And some policies, not all business policies, but some business policies have what's called an audit where the carrier will send us or, or send sometimes send the policyholder directly questionnaire on the business. And that is a normal process for a lot of commercial policies, depending on the policy, that the carrier wants to know how the, how your business has changed over the last 12 years, because they would need to be able to make adjustments. And if, because they're insuring the business, and if you are a $10,000 business that became a $10 million business, they're insuring the $10 million business, even though the, when we started, it was a $10,000 business. And they're covering that amount. And they Obviously, just like every business wants to be compensated for that, because if a $10 million business has a claim, chances are it's going to be a lot bigger than a, a business with a $10,000 business. And so they look at that. Well, and that makes, makes a whole lot of sense. And so one thing that's, uh, that I find, and, and again, it kind of goes back to personal. You know, you own a home and you get that automatic renewal. Well, today, at least the company I'm, our family's with, they up the value of the house every year. There's an automatic 1%, 2%, whatever inflation type situation. I'm not sure every company does that. Uh, and I've been in situations uh, before where I've had homeowners that did not update their values for 10, 20 years, then they had a claim. Uh, and that was a bad, bad place to be uh, for the homeowner. But values, property value, whether you own a building or you do have a leasehold, you have the, everyone has some kind of equipment, furniture, fixtures, um, and that's something that needs to be updated, in my opinion, annually. Uh, what are your thoughts about it? Oh, definitely. Equipment is a big deal, a big issue, because people buy equipment during the year or even retire equipment. Uh, for commercial auto policies, obviously, the vehicles can change. And then, yes, the and with commercial property insurance, you have a lot more flexibility on how much you want to insure. And so versus uh, homeowners, it's fairly standard. The insurance carrier knows how much the house is worth because it's public value. I mean, it's, it's values that are easy, easily to determine. Well, on a commercial property, it's not, it's not necessarily as easy to determine. And we let the, most carriers will let the policyholder dictate how much do you want to cover it for. So you have a lot more flexibility. The downside is if you cover it, don't cover it for enough and something happens, you can not get much money on a payout. And I, we understand you want to keep the premiums low, but you also want to you know, if it, the we always go by if the policy or if the property was destroyed and gone, how much money do you need to get back to where you were? And we kind of base it on that type of value. But 
we understand not everybody wants to value it at full replacement value. And most carriers will say, fine, you can do it what they call actual cash value, which is replacement value minus depreciation. Now, they will put a what's called a co-insurance penalty on it. If you're undervaluing that property for whatever reason, that's fine. You can do that. You're the property owner. But if you're undervaluing that, they can not pay out as much because you're not valuing it properly and there's a claim against the uh, claim against the property. Which is similar to what happens in the homeowners with the 80-20 or the 20%. But exactly. Again, uh, you're buying insurance for a loss in case of a loss may never happen. Let's hope not because I've been in business losses from fire, flood, whatever, uh, and all that getting back in business and serving your clients, very difficult. It's why so many businesses fail in the first year after a major loss of some sort. Uh, and But the idea of replacement cost, though, is the primary coverage that most people seek, isn't it? That's what we recommend. The Whether they do, that's, again, that is a choice they can make. A lot of them, a lot of business uh, or property owners sometimes will just get the loan value because the carrier, the insurer, lenders requiring it. Right. And it depends on the property. To older properties, most people don't necessarily insure a replacement value because it's an older property and the difference between the actual value and the replace can be quite, can be a lot because if you got a 30-year-old building, it's going to cost four or five times as much as it's worth now just to replace it. So we give the property owner the flexibility as long as they understand that that's what they're, that this is what will happen if there's a claim. If that's they've, if they're comfortable with that, then, you know, again, it's their business, their risk. All we can do is make them aware of the risk that's happening or that could happen if, if you do have a loss. Yeah. Well, again, I, my philosophy is I'm buying the insurance to cover me so I can stay in business. Now, if I'm not, and I'm going to just take whatever money and walk away, if I have a major loss, that's a different business uh, plan or a different business structure. And uh, I can, I can get that. But my encouragement to anyone listening to this is look at replacement cost and be fair and honest about what you value things. Because when and if you have the loss, which you bought the insurance for in the first place, uh, now I'm sort of lecturing, but uh, you know, that's what it's for. Well, insurance is to protect. It's to protect your assets, to protect you, your per, your personal, personally and commercially. And you want to be able to get back in business as soon as possible and have enough money. And you're correct. That's what insurance is for. It's not just an expense. It's not, oh, this, I have to do this because I have to. You have to look at it as, well, what happens if, just like with your homeowners, you don't want your home to burn down and hopefully it never will. But if it does, you want to be able to rebuild and be able to get back to where you were. And that's what insurance is. It's just a way to minimize your financial risk and, and to make you whole again and put you back where you were so you can operate your business. Because the business is your income, your family's income, your employee's income, all depend on that business. And cutting corners on your insurance just because, oh, it'll never happen is not, it may not be the best way to, to, to operate. Right. Makes a lot of sense. Well, believe it or not, Chris, we've, we've run, the, run the board today. We're out of time almost. I want to give you a chance to tell people if they've listened today or listened to this in the future and want to reach out to you for information, advice, or perhaps to talk to you about buying insurance, what's the best way for them to do that? Oh, you can reach us. Our office number is 281-417-3000.
our website, uh, or you can email me at C-W-E-H-E at K-O-C-H-I-G.com. Well, again, thank you for taking time. This, ladies and gentlemen, is the first in a series of three. Uh, next week, Chris will rejoin us, and we're going to start off talking about claims because right, insurance, you buy it, now you got a claim, and hopefully he'll offer us some great tips and advice about how to structure things so when you have a claim, you're successful in getting paid back. What do we have coming up the second half today? And I hope you stay with us. First of all, I have an interview with Kelly Schaffler about groundwater versus surface water. She wrote an excellent piece as one of the reporters for the Community Impact newspaper. I hope you'll stick around and listen to that. And then in the final segment of today's show, I'll deliver my one best consult tip of the week, customer communication, how your business wins or loses that battle. So please stay with us and we'll be right back with you. and news you can use, join us on the Weekly Business Hour every Monday at 11 a.m. on Lone Star Community Radio. Lone Star Community Radio is Montgomery County's radio station with talk, music, weather, and traffic for Montgomery County. Have a question or comment about one of our shows? Want to know how to reach a host? Just contact the station at IRLoneStar.com or call in and leave a message at 936 647 3776. Get involved with your community with Lone Star Community Radio. Hey, Montgomery County and online listeners. Thank you so very much for checking out Jazzy Vibes with Song. What? You haven't done so yet? Well, you've got to tune in. Hi, I am the host of Jazzy Vibes with Song, Miss Cece Holmes, and I invite you to check us out every Friday and Saturday from 7 until 9 p.m., where you will get the best in old-school R&B and, of course, a little smooth jazz to make it jazzy. So tune in. That's right, tune in. Every Friday and Saturday right here on Conroe's 104.5 and 106.1 FM or worldwide at IRLoneStar.com. We have the safest food supply in the world. Strict laws and regulations restrict the usage of hormones, antibiotics, and pesticides within our food supply. Production agriculture practices and technologies such as the use of GMOs, which is not any more or less risky than conventional crop production, has allowed American farmers to produce more food on less acres in environmentally sound ways. Find out more online at pathtoplate.tamu.edu. We are Texas A&M AgriLife Extension, helping Texans make lives better. Listen in Mondays at noon to hear Conroe news from local nonprofits, businesses, upcoming events, Conroe Park events, news stories, and information that matters to you with your host, Margie Taylor of Taylorized PR. For more information about being a guest, visit IRLoneStar.com slash Conroe Culture. An estimated 1 in 10 births will result in a neonatal intensive care stay, also known as the NICU. Overnight, a family can find themselves and their newborn baby in a critical situation. The Mila Foundation financially and spiritually assists families in need. If you would like to volunteer or become a monthly sponsor, please visit us at www.themilafoundation.org. Again, that's www.themilafoundation.org, because every life matters. For business ideas and news you can use, join us on the Weekly Business Hour every Monday at 11 a.m. on Lone Star Community Radio. 
Welcome back to the Weekly Business Hour. This is Rick Schisler, your host. Uh, as promised, uh, when we took our break, uh, we've got a great interview, our woman on the street, businesswoman on the street this week. I'm glad to uh, tell you that we had, a, I think, a wonderful interview with Kelly Schaffler. Kelly's a reporter for Community Impact Newspaper, and she did an excellent piece recently about uh, groundwater versus surface water. It's an issue that's kind of boiled up here over the last few years in Montgomery County. And I wanted to talk to her about the impact on businesses. You know, we open a business and we need water, uh, at the very least for the restroom, but some businesses need more water than that. And it becomes an important issue when you're considering to, say, locate a business here, uh, if your business, in fact, needs a lot of water. So uh, it's an important issue for businesses, I think, to stay in touch with as we go on a day-to-day and Kelly did a wonderful job, as I say, in my opinion, writing a, a good article. And she talks to us about what she wrote, what she found, and what the future potentially will bring to us as business owners right here in Montgomery County. So please listen to this interview with Kelly. And when the interview is over, we'll go to commercial. And then I'll be back with my one best consult tip of the week, customer communication and how your business wins or loses that battle. Ladies and gentlemen, apparently we're having a little bit of trouble with that audio on that clip. I'm not sure what exactly is wrong, but uh, we all have technical challenges uh, in our lives from time to time. And obviously we're having one here this morning. So I want to welcome you back. The clip will be uh, available on onebestconsult.com. That's the number onebestconsult.com. Just go to the website and you'll see the tab and you'll be able to listen to that interview with Kelly. We apologize uh, that it's not working this morning for some reason. Uh, but you'll be able to listen and watch that entire interview. And I encourage you to do so because it is, it's a very informative interview. She did a wonderful job, a lot of background and research and lays out the issue to you uh, of what's going on and what she thinks uh, potentially will happen to uh, solve and give us all a playbook, if you will, of what we're going to be able to expect as far as water and availability of it here in Montgomery County. Well, I'm going to move right into my uh, one best consult tip of the week, if you don't mind. It's an important issue, um, customer communication and how your business wins or loses that battle. Uh, I've talked quite a bit recently and I've blogged quite a bit uh, over the last 60, 90 days about communicating with customers, customer service. Uh, These are issues, in my opinion, that become more and more important every day because primarily competition. Uh, Reality is that we all, in almost every business that I'm aware of, we are facing new, different more intense competitive challenges. Uh, obviously, the online businesses, uh, if your business is not online, uh, you, the online businesses are just coming left and right. 
it's a pretty easy format to join in, to set up a business, and they compete with us. Uh, we read about the competition between, say, Amazon and Walmart. Walmart has thousands of stores. Uh, I read an article this past weekend that Amazon now wants to open grocery stores. Yes, they have Whole Foods, but now they want to open brick-and-mortar stores because apparently to be competitive in the grocery business, they feel they need to do that. So a lot of competition. So it's very, very important. Always has been, but I think it's even more so today of how we communicate and doing a good job with our customers so we can win the battle. It's a great battle that's being fought every day, as I mentioned. And I'll give you a quote from Walmart back to Uncle uh, uh, Uncle Sam uh, or Sam Walton. As we know, the founder of Walmart once was quoted saying, there is only one boss, the customer and he can fire everybody in the company from the chairman on down simply by spending his money somewhere else. I never forget things like that. That's a quote I've heard years ago, and I don't forget it. And I know there'll be argument about, you know, the customer's always right, and I'm not talking about that. But the fact is the customer today can easily take their business elsewhere, and I think we need to be cognizant of that. And the first thing when you're analyzing or looking at how you're communicating with the customer, in my opinion, to consider is, the best way to communicate with the customer, okay? In this case, I'm not so much talking about the selection, the wide selection of media you have today, whether it's print or face-to-face or over the phone or through email or through social media. Lots of choices there, lots of choices. And today, generally, I believe you got to choose a lot more of those to send the same message so that you hit the wider target, target audience because so many people listen to different sources of media or communicate or interrelate with different sources of media than they did a year ago, five years ago. So we have to be aware of that. But what I'm really talking about is the best way to communicate with the customer in the messaging that you provide them. How you communicate can have as much impact on the relationship as to what you actually say. And what I'm really talking about is something I personally call attitude, how I convey my message. And again, it could be in print. It can be an email, it could be on social media, it could be over the phone, it could be face-to-face. But how is the message of my brand, of my business, my products and services, how are they going to be communicated? What is the attitude of those communications? And I think that's very important that you figure out. I don't think it's a hard thing to figure out personally, but that that attitude crosses all the lines of the ways you communicate, all the different choices of media, that that attitude goes across all of them. And that all the individuals, the people, the contractors, if you outsource, all of them convey that attitude. Everything that you write conveys that attitude as well as when you talk face-to-face with a customer. My personal choice, and I learned this many, many years ago, is that the chance to communicate with a customer, whether it be a customer service issue or it be an opportunity to sell something, it is an opportunity. And I start with that in building the right attitude. Every chance, every opportunity to communicate is just that. It's an opportunity to build a relationship with that customer. If I do a direct mail piece, it's an opportunity to build a relationship. And I think that's part of the attitude that we need to have. We have to clearly represent in a very straightforward, honest way who we are, and what we truly have to offer in a business. And we need to do that repetitively and, again, across all lines of media. First impressions have always been important. 
Many of us, if you're in my generation, we heard that all the time. When you first meet someone today, they statistically say you have 20 seconds, 15 seconds, and you form an impression on someone you meet for the first time. This is true of when you're selling a product or service. And you need to decide again, what kind of attitude am I going to have? I recommend you have a warm, polite attitude. It's very simple that your media and the way you talk to people be always warm and polite. You say hello in the beginning, okay? And you say thank you. And you give them an invitation to do business with you in the future. Hello. You thank them for the opportunity to serve them, to talk with them, even if it's a complaint, and you leave open the door or make an invitation to do business in the future. It's all about good manners, Thing, something I believe that we've lost somewhat in our societies, uh, being not just in our country here in the United States, but around the world. And I have personally witnessed a number of times how unbelievable the impact can be if you just use good manners in your communication, just simple, good manners. Of course, the big challenge for all of us, if you have one or more employees, is to convey to those employees that same, again, attitude of how you want your business, the products and services conveyed to the customers and the prospective customers. So don't forget that one. Not going to talk about that much today, but when you have one, it's you and yourself, okay? You develop the attitude, and that's wonderful but always be prepared to train and teach and to monitor how the other people in your organization and the people you outsource to are conveying that. There's several other things I want to talk about because I did a blog earlier this week and covered most of the issues I've already touched on, and you can pick up on that blog at Customer Communications and How Your Business Wins or Loses the Battle. It's been posted on LinkedIn. It's on the website, onebestconsult.com and other places. But today, I want to share a few other ideas I have about customer communication. First of all, in your communications, all communications, don't use slang. I mean, just avoid it. You know, talk like you do in real life. And if you use slang, then we're going to have to work on that one. But keep your conversation simple, okay? Uh, don't use phrases that are canned, like, uh, we thank you for your patience. We're sorry you have had to hold these sound canned to the educated consumer and they convey an attitude is that, well, I'm just one of many that are on this phone or standing in this line and the people behind the counter on the phone that represent this company are just reading from a script. Don't want to do that. Stand out, make yourself different. Have an attitude that you say, thanks for waiting. That's just a common, simple phrase. And I'm just giving a couple of examples here. One of the things I absolutely counsel every one of my clients against, and anyone listening to this is, don't use that worn out expression, no problem. I mean, to me, that's kind of reserved for restaurants and not the higher quality restaurants. When you get a waitstaff person and you ask for a glass of water, no problem. I mean, this, this issue really, believe it or not, has been studied. And there are so many people, particularly older people, okay, or mature people, I should say, that are so turned off by that expression that it impacts their desire to do business with that establishment or to, in the case of a waiter, tip them uh, at the end of the discussion. Try to run no problem out of your attitude, out of your scripts, out of your training. Get your people to find other ways to say, hey, I appreciate the opportunity to serve you. And again, I don't 
recommend those words, but get rid of no problem. To me, that is total slang. You want to talk in the customer's vocabulary, and this is particularly important if you, in fact, are working in a specific industry. Industries always have their certain vocabulary. Uh, They could be words that relate to chemistry if you're in the chemical industry. Make sure that the people that do communicating and yourself always are aware of those words and use those words because, again, it would be like you were talking every day in that business. So be aware of the language that's being used. If there's any particular special language being used in the industry that you're working with, then try to adapt to that language. Remember, the job that you're trying to do is to solve the customer's problem. And when I say problem, I don't mean a negative situation where somebody comes back in customer service. I mean, that's one of the situations. But even when they come in your store or they react to you online or when you send a mail piece out, you're really out there solving problems. You want to sell people something. You want them to become a customer, okay? And a customer to me is not a one-off. It's someone that builds a relationship with you and continues to try to do business with you. And as long as you have good manners and you make it easy to do business with you and you charge a fair price and deliver a quality product, then you're going to develop customers. The second thing I want to mention is is pretty obvious, but you'd be amazed how many times it gets forgotten. Keep all these conversations positive, okay? You've got to keep the conversation positive, which means you have to be conscious of the words you choose. Okay. Uh, and, and don't belittle people. You, a lot of times and I've been guilty of this when I'm in conversation with people or when I write an email or send a letter out, or even if I put copy together to go on a website, I don't realize sometimes that it, it, it sounds a little negative. Like, well, you should know about that. It's so obvious. I don't say that, but I'm, I'm implying that that gets back to tone, which gets back to what attitude. So keep your conversations positive. Eliminate the use of words like we can't, we don't, or the outright no. If somebody asks you for a product or a service and you don't do it or don't offer, say, I'll, I'll talk with the, the boss about that, or I'll talk with the team about that, or we've working on that. It'll be available soon. Try to find some positive ref, uh, phrases that reflect the good, honest truth of where you are. And again, we can't, we don't, that's not possible. Eliminate those words from the vocabulary of your business. And third and last is you got you have to know how to say you're sorry. And this particularly plays into customer service where someone contacts you and they have a complaint or a concern about their purchase, about the service they're receiving. You have to know when to say sorry and you know how to do it. I have seen so many businesses as well as individuals who can't say, hey, I made a mistake. It won't happen again. That's something I was taught at an early age, thank goodness, in my training, was to look people in the eye, whether you're in front of them or not, and say, that won't happen again. In other words, if we made a mistake and it shouldn't have happened, then I will say it will not happen again, which motivates me as the business to figure out a way where that doesn't happen again. I don't want to repeat my mistakes. But more importantly, and it happens every day, thousands of times, is the business owning up to, gosh, we made a mistake. We sent the wrong thing or we send it to the wrong address. I deal with customers all the time, clients of mine that have questions like this and they want to know how to respond. And to me, the first thing is you admit to the mistake and then you use language like, for an example, I understand how frustrating this can be. Okay, you've got to 
in the way I visualize this, kind of walk in the shoes of the person who's talking to you. Walk up right beside him and say, gosh, I know how frustrating this could be. We're sorry we made that mistake. You have to empathize with them or sympathize, I should say, with them that they're in that situation. And then, of course, you can do the obvious and try to work as hard as you can and make things right as quickly as possible. And that's important. Speed is so important in resolving customer service issues. And many, many businesses do not have the processes in effect, nor do they empower the employees who are dealing with the client, the customer, to solve them. That's a discussion for another day. So my encouragement, win this battle, because this is the battle not only for survival, it's the battle that you're going to need to win to thrive and grow your business. And again, I respect that competition's increasing, but that just motivates me even further to work and realize that every time I can touch or come in contact with a customer is a wonderful, wonderful opportunity to build a better, stronger relationship. And I encourage you, don't blow it. Well, that's the end of the program for today, and I appreciate you taking time to listen to us. Um, I encourage you to make a note in your uh, calendar to join us next week, 11 o'clock, Monday morning. And Chris, as I mentioned earlier, Chris Wee's going to be back with us. We're going to be talking about business insurance. We're going to start and talk a little bit about claims, how to file a claim, how to follow a claim, and so on and so forth in our Soup to Nut series on all things business insurance. Encourage you to look for the podcast of today's show on the weekly business hour page right here on the station's website, irlonestar.com. It'll be posted by Wednesday. It'll also be posted in different other places, including the onebestconsult.com website as well. Thank you for joining us. And remember to stay in touch with what's happening in Montgomery County right here on Lone Star Community Radio. And until next week, I hope you, like myself, will stay engaged and keep your focus on what counts in your business.